Hey everybody and welcome. You are listening to Lox LaRue's Locker Room. Join me each episode with a different special guest. We'll be breaking the locks off toxic masculinity one locker at a time. This week, I'm joined by the twinkling trio Two and a Half Queens, a YouTube review show on all things Eurovision and UK drag race, hosted by Alicia Tried, Bondi and Rob. Today, me and the Queens talk about capitalism, drag race and individuality when it comes to hosting. Please note that the conversations between me and my guests are purely based on our own thoughts and experiences. Now with all that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello everybody, and just before we start, here is a lesson in masculinity 101. In the 1970s, Eurovision introduced disco and the genre's eccentricity to the music contest. At a time when social convention told men to show extreme emotional restraint, Eurovision was a welcome breath of fresh air. According to Professor Bryce Singleton, he said, The glamour, the spectacle, it's all those things that gay men invest in to get away from the norms of masculinity. Hi everyone um, and welcome back to Lux LaRue's Locker Room. I'm joined here today by Two and a Half Queens. Hi guys. Hello. 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 How, are <laughs> How are you all today? We're good. We're all we are fabulous. We're awake. We're thriving. As always. <laughs> I always think awake before 12 is a, is a good start, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you never know me. Last night I, I went to sleep at like half two. I was up all night watching Line of Duty and I thought, you're going to have such a bad day tomorrow because you've whatever. I sprung, I woke up unaided, unalarmed, nothing. 8.15 a.m. I've had a great day. <laughs> My one eye woke up and... <laughs> the other one was keeping an eye out for Selena. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, my pattern's all over the place. Like sometimes I'll go to bed really early, other times I'll, I'll go to bed really late. And then sometimes I'll get up at like one in the afternoon, other times I'll get up at like 10. It's just, yeah, it's never consistent. <laughs> there is no such thing as a sleeping pattern in lockdown. I Absolutely. Yeah, my, my sleeping pattern. Although as I'm going back to work soon, I'm going to have to try and like get back into a good sleeping pattern because I have 8 a.m. starts and I don't think I've seen anything before 10 a.m since july so yeah i have like 8 a.m starts well quarter to eight starts sometimes um it's every other week because we work sometimes from home and then i'm not used to it i'm like oh i'm not used to seeing this time (laughs) yeah (laughs) what is this fresh morning unless it's from a night out or something exactly unless you're still awake (laughs) yeah yeah that's true um so i thought we'd start off the conversation by just introducing yourselves individually um talking a bit about your styles as like entertainers performers and then a bit about your background growing up um so who wants to start first i'll send it to the entertainers which is next to me (laughs) alicia please i I will i will start so um my name (laughs) (laughs) i I plan to don't worry (laughs) i'm ready i'm ready um so my name is alicia tried um i've been doing drag for about two and a half years now since 2019 ish and um originally i just i just was just doing drag as just something to like kind of do whilst i'm going out and stuff like that and then slowly over time um especially during this lockdown period um i've taken drag a lot more seriously and i mean the brand alicia tried is literally at least you tried so it's just 
comedy, silliness, camp. It's just all of the above um, for Alicia. And how about like growing up as well for you, like in terms of like um, being queer and stuff, like what's your background in that sense? So I actually um, pretty much when I was younger, um, I kind of had a little bit of ideas about um, if I was gay or not. But because I went to a Catholic school um, as my secondary school as well, those ideas kind of got um, kind of pushed away for me, if, if that makes sense. So it was very difficult for me to come to terms as a queer person, especially when being in a Catholic school. It was only towards the end when I was going to college and since moving to Birmingham, because I'm originally from Derby, which is like a small city. So, you know, there are queer people there, but there's no queer safe spaces like there are in Birmingham. So... It's only been in the past couple of years I've actually truly come to terms with me um, as a queer person and just really lived my truth. And drag's come part of that as well. Thank you for sharing. So who's next? Um, Let's go to the beach. (laughs) Let's go to the beach each. Um, Well, hello, my name is Bondi. Um, Not Bondi. Oh, you can call me that if you want. It doesn't matter. I don't mind. Um, call me what you want as long as you call me. Yeah. Um, I have been I've been doing some form of drag for about nearly three years now. Mm. Um, I started doing makeup and I started doing sort of bedroom drag in um, actually it was April 2018. So yeah, I've been messing around with it for about three years now. Um, but my first performance took place in August 2020. Um, and it was all thanks to Alicia Tried, that cow. Um, <laughs> she, she really, um, her and Rob kind of gave me a chance to do my first performance, which I'm very grateful for. I probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for them or, or that. Um, I probably wouldn't have performed ever. Um, I really, drag started for me as kind of um, a release. It was really helpful for my anxiety. It still is. Um, just sitting down and focusing on something for, you know, two hours, three hours, really helps to take me to a place where I feel more calm like I think Alicia and Rob will definitely tell you that usually when I come into recording sessions for two and a half queens I'm usually in a bad mood <laughs> I'm, I'm usually storming into that session dropping my makeup on the floor like we need to go now because I'm in a bad mood and then I'll sit and I'll do my makeup and we'll chat and we'll kiki and we'll have a good time um, and then I'm in, I'm in a much better mood by the time we start. So it's it's something that still does it for me. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think my my biggest worry doing drag and doing the performances, doing the YouTube show, all that was kind of that I'd lose that. Um, because for me, I, I drag something that I like. It's something that I really enjoy. It's something that I love, but it's not, I never want it to feel like work. Um, I never want it to feel like a chore because when I think about starting it, I started it. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections to anyone in drag. Um, I didn't have any friends that did drag. I didn't, you know, there was, there was nothing like that for me. I, I literally did it for my own pleasure. So um, I'm really glad that we do drag on our own terms. Um, we do it the way we want to do it. We cover what we want to cover because that, and I'm doing it with two of my best friends and that, that makes me feel a lot more comfortable and happy about the way it's going, definitely. No. Oh, love to hear it and um in terms of like growing up how was your experience in that way because I know you've all spoke about it a bit on two and a half queens and um, you've all had different experiences haven't you mm-hmm. yeah um I yeah for, for me growing up 
I, I was I I everyone around me knows that I grew up gay, but I didn't. I didn't know that um I didn't know that I was gay until I was 16. It's only really that kind of age that it occurred to me. Um I was a very late bloomer in life. I um I wasn't with I I didn't I wasn't with anybody until I was 19. Um I I really didn't realise because I didn't grow up being made to feel bad for being different because I always knew I was. Um but it was never highlighted to me that that was something that I should try and change, that I should do something about. Um, I'm really lucky to have like a family that are so supportive of me um, in everything that I do, in the way that I am. I'm allowed to just be myself and I'll never take that for granted. Um, but it does mean that I kind of had a stunted development in terms of realizing who I was. And 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 it's, I guess, I guess drags another way that I've discovered that it's okay to be myself because now that since realizing that I I am gay and I've I've always been that way I it did for a while kind of make me feel like I guess a kind of bit ashamed a bit repressed about it because I felt like maybe I should be more out about this maybe I should have known earlier maybe there's something wrong with me because I didn't but no I I I, I think doing drag and, and doing it with Alicia and Rob and and meeting other queer people that are in Birmingham it's it's amazing and it's it's just made me realize that we're all different and that's something that should be celebrated um and not the opposite absolutely well thank you for sharing so Rob <laughs> I mean it's hard for me to say all well, my background is I don't really uh, in any way think of myself as like an entertainer or performer oh I guess that is what a YouTuber is now I guess I am an yes, entertainer you are. <laughs> being on this show. but that really just is my background I think I've, I've always like preferred being more like behind the scenes I love working with Alicia on her show and just being able to come up with like mixes and ideas and stuff with her but never be the face of it and just be able to like watch things happen I guess that's partly me like I've, I did media at, at um, college and I've always I've sort of got um did like Premiere Pro and was learning video editing putting stuff together and I've always just kind of liked that side of things so this is quite new for me really being like in front of the camera like my my friend well I know a friend why she black she messaged me at the end of those um 10 episodes saying I bet you never thought you'd get through that and actually be comfortable in front of a camera and I was like absolutely not like you know I would never want to be the front and center of it of like on a on a show or anything so it has been quite a big thing for me to push myself forward because it it's just me being me I'm not dressed up in drag I've got no illusion it's just me having to stare at my face for half an hour while I'm on screen which is uh it's just new for me but hey we learn we move yeah well I love to see you on camera as well and I think it's it's nice we can talk about this in a bit actually how you all got your own different qualities that you bring to the show and stuff um but before that I was just going to ask Rob um with growing up for you as well um how was it for you with being gay and stuff um for me I feel like the only struggle was really internal to be honest I didn't I've always bar one person that I think I've spoken about on the show who used to sort of tell me not ask well sort of tell me I was gay when I walked past the shop and I was it made me doubt myself I don't feel like I was really bullied I wasn't in an environment that felt really pressured um the only thing for me is like I grew up in Grimsby which is a town up north which is really sort of I wouldn't say sort of like an accepting city so I definitely feel like I repressed myself a lot and I it wasn't until I mean I came out 
the summer to most people, not my family, but to my friends, um, in the summer before university. And I don't believe I've fully allowed myself to be open and comfortable as gay until my first year of university. And then I came out to my parents uh, after that first year and it was a shock to the system for them, but they accepted me with open arms. So compared to most people, I don't really feel like I've had a great struggle. It's just that I've had to learn about myself a lot later. Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like I had gay friends really until I moved to Birmingham at 21 because I just wasn't in a city that there was a lot of gay people and even at uni my friends were girls and I would take the girls to a gay club and we'd sort of learn that experience together so for me it's just been a lot of learning but not a lot of I've never really been given a lot of pushback I haven't gone through a lot of struggle compared to a lot of people I think I've had quite a lucky journey and I'm lucky that the people who I've always had around me have been very accepting and open people, my parents included. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing, everybody. It's it's good to hear, like, your different experiences. Um, yeah, for me, I've similar to you, Alicia, I went to a Catholic school um, at first, but I had to change because I got really badly bullied there. Um, mm-hmm. And then in my next school, it wasn't that much better, but it was a bit. And like you all said, really, it kind of feel like um, there were like people getting pregnant at school. And I know like people my age now are all like married and getting houses and cars. And sometimes it's <laughs> like a gay person. Um, this might not be the case for everyone, but you kind of feel like, yeah, a bit behind in that way, don't you? Because um, if there's not many gay people around when you're younger and stuff, <laughs> well, out. Absolutely. And I, I do uh, believe that like, a lot of reasons why gay people are, are, are only starting families so late in life is because most of that time that they've had to discover themselves was put on hold or stopped abruptly because of bullying or because they just didn't have the correct environment to do it. So by the time they do, it's much later in life, you know, when they've got the money to move away and they've got, you know, that sort of experiences. So you do find, you know, 25 plus gay people still partying up in the clubs because they've just not had that opportunities when they're younger yeah definitely like a quarter life crisis which i probably mm-hmm. have <laughs> absolutely That's coming in two months for me two months. yes <laughs> yeah um i was wondering about what all of your opinions here we go on um i think you've probably talked about this on the show about you know drag not being um polished um well in quotation marks or you know if people are starting new not just necessarily on drag race but in general what are your thoughts for like say if newer performers are listening to this if they don't feel like they're polished enough um and there's kind of this RuPaul standard that they have to be um I love it yeah I love it I love when people are polished I mean I can't I can't speak to drag queens but is that not just so charming like when a queen looks like rusty but as long as you can perform that that's some that is part of like a charm of British drag for me like I don't necessarily want I, I remember um bringing this up when I, I think it was one of the weeks when Michelle critiqued Bimini even on the show for having like a a bit of a ratty wig and it all looking a bit sort of that red devil look yeah there is a, a lane of drag for everyone and drag race I think is quite a narrow lane but you don't always have to strive to be a drag race drag queen because that tends to be polished, but there are so many of avenues, and these drag queens will tell you that as well. Yeah, if, if you were to look at, like, the season 13 finale, the amount of money that must have gone into the, that finale, especially for each artist and the looks, is just a standard that's just becoming so 
unachievable for new queens, especially new artists that don't have that much income because you're looking at these queens on the television and you're thinking, this is fantastic and I'd love to look like that, but that must cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And I think Drag Race has been a double-ended sword in the sense of like, it has brought a queer television into the mainstream, but also has now kind of construed a thought that to be a successful drag artist, you must have a lot of money or at least seem to have really polished, well-executed looks because it's all about that kind of Instagram age of what can get the most likes, what looks the best. Um, and you know, Alicia Tried is not pulling up with no designer gowns anytime <laughs> soon. But I think as well, like Rob said, British drag kind of helps that because a lot of the time we're not looking for the most immaculate fabulous beautiful queens we love a good comedy queen we love a good cabaret queen um there's lots of different types of drag in the uk that i think we all love whereas in america they definitely love to have that very fine-tuned polished queen yeah it goes, yeah. It goes back sorry carry on oh no i was just going to say a point, quick point sometimes some of it can feed into that like capitalist sort of masculine side of it can't it but yeah sorry Bunda. Well, that's yeah kind of what i was going to say it's it's um it feels it feels really counterproductive that this this drag this kind of freeing thing that we have in the queer community um and and beyond you know anyone can do drag but um this thing that is meant to be whatever we want it to be is seemingly controlled again once again by capitalism and and the drive towards perfection but then again who decides that perfection um and the, the blame doesn't I, I mean the blame kind of does rely on you know RuPaul's Drag Race in terms of the standards that it's been brought up to because you know go back to season one and those queens are wearing jeans on the runway they're wearing blue jeans on that runway. Um, <laughs> they are, they are. Yeah. And the wigs are as flat as anything. Rebecca Glassclock is wearing a wig flatter than a brick. Yeah. She's wearing jeans and she got to the top four, I believe. And, you know, season 13, like Alicia said, there were three runways before they even started lip syncing. Yeah. Um, and then I think drag queens feel the pressure, not only from the show, because maybe if the show was representative of all drag types. So if, you know, if they cast queens that had a lot of money and had the designer outfits and then they cast queens who had other jobs and did drag on the side and didn't have the money to pay for all those outfits and just did what they could, um, then maybe the fan reaction would be different. But I think because the show really tries to hone in on queens that have the looks and have the money and I don't know if they pay a lot of service to the ones that don't. The fans therefore demand that kind of um, quality from drag queens who aren't even on Drag Race, you know, and then they get kind of disheartened by their standards because of no no fault of their own, you know. They see comments on Queen's Instagrams like, well, why are you wearing this from ASOS? Why are you wearing this pretty little thing? Um, like Astina's jacket, episode one. We saw it from a horror, for example, um, you know, a horror um, was mad that Estina won the challenge in ASOS jacket, but I th I'm really glad that that happened. That moment was on TV because it just showed that regardless of where it came from, regardless of what it is, if it looks good and it's 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 who you are and it's the challenge, 
then why shouldn't it be for main stars? Why can't it win? Yeah, if, if you're being an authentic, if you're being your authentic self, and in that particular challenge, Estina was being authentically themselves by wearing something that was very representational of where they came from, regardless of if you had purchased it from an online fashion retailer or got it done by a, you know, well-known designer. I think a lot of people now are just so focused on wanting to have something that's so custom made and so different is actually taking away from their own drag fundamentally i think in this country it's it well, and not on drag race it's about what you bring on stage as a performer and not what you wear i mean we're off to go see alicia on sunday she's got a she's at the fox so you know it's all about what you bring on stage i mean yes what will i be wearing this sunday uh probably the same outfits everyone see me in but you know what i'll get on stage i'll have the biggest smile and i'll have the greatest time because i'll be comfortable i'll be me and i'll still have enough money for a shot so that's all good <laughs> one shot amazing um yeah because class does come into it sometimes which is annoying isn't it but We've, we're coming towards the end now and I have run over a bit because I did want to talk about one more thing if that's okay because um, we haven't talked about Two and a Half Queens like how it came about yet I just wanted to yeah, fire that right. question to whoever wants to answer how did it how did Two and a Half Queens come about which I probably should have asked earlier <laughs> no, well, we, can, we, can, we can talk for England here this is why our shows Rob has such a hard job trying to edit them down but I will let Bond, I'll let Bondi take this one I don't even remember <laughs> Rob, Rob. <laughs> very okay, good. Well, it was actually a two-way thing. So I had the idea of doing because look, this start the UK series started in January. We had nothing to do. We were out. We were on furlough, me and Alicia. And I had said to, to Alicia, "Oh, do you think it'd be fun if we did like a YouTube series?" And then it turned out that Bondi had also asked Alicia if you wanted to do something. So it just wound up becoming like a triangle like everyone sort of wanted to do something but we hadn't all thought of doing it as a three um so yeah me and alicia would have just been sat on a couch talking about stuff if it wasn't for bondi coming in with all the gadgets and all the gaggery and the, the, the green screen oh. and the lighting yeah let me tell you these girls wanted to sit on their mustard yellow couch no lights <laughs> No Do you lights. think we could have afforded a green screen and lights and all of that? Really? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't about to sit on YouTube with no standards. Now, come on now. <laughs> so we had such a set plan. It was a film on a Friday. And poor Rob had literally less than 48 hours to completely turn it around, use stuff that he's never done before because uh, green screens and lighting and th- those sort of elements... Um, Rob hadn't had much experience with it before um, so it was kind of like it was new for all of us um, to do something like this and then it just ended up yeah we're just still doing it still going yeah oh that's great um, yeah because Bondi have you edited ep- an episode as well or I imagine that so um, I did ep- I did a bit of editing I did the um, not a lot I just did the um, the interview with Washi Black in episode 10 I, I edited that segment well, it's, it's great that you've used all your different skills and styles to come together, which kind of links onto my final question, Promise, um, about all of your styles as like hosts, because that's what you all are um, with this, um, like when you're all coming together and hosting the show um, and like adding your own style and stuff. Because for me, we're like when I'm hosting, like when I do burlesque and stuff, I try and add my own style to it. Like I've done a, 
a balloon pop act where like I'm talking and hosting while people are like popping balloons um so I kind of like trying to add my own style when I do my own thing so over to you guys what how would you describe like your individual hosting styles or how you've all used it to come together because it the key's kind of in the name as well isn't it um two and a half queens as well which is really clever yeah so um for, for me kind of my my hosting skills and my kind of I'd like to be like the mediator between the two of them as well because I feel like Bondi and Rob have very they're very clear opinions about certain things and I'm always like well you know I like this and actually actually yeah so I'm kind of like the mediator between the two of them I think and um we actually we purposely put said to put Rob in the middle because of the two and a half queens because we thought it would just look good to have both queens on both sides so we've always had like that idea in our head um that it kind of adds a different element of just not just drag queens but having somebody on there who's not in drag as well but Rob has worked a lot with drag so he's pretty much just as much as a drag queen as all of us <laughs> true. Uh, it's true no it's true, it's true. um but yeah my, my, my kind of style of ho hosting is just like campy comedy and silly i'm always got my aliciaisms you know i will never ever say a sentence without it either not making sense or me messing up one of the words so that is my contribution to society <laughs> i would thank you for it um i don't i guess i i feel like i try and just keep stuff together it's kind of i, <laughs> I try and like i don't really know what my style is i just know that i'm always conscious of the fact that I know I'm the one editing because Alicia can lose a nail and then two minutes will just be dedicated to chaos and conflama just going on. That just We can say one meme and it will stem to about two minutes of us just talking absolute crap. Uh, and we are very good at talking crap. So I feel like I have to almost keep like a, an anchor around things. So I, I guess I'm probably the more serious of the three, I would say, but I don't feel like any of us ever lose our fun in in hosting. I feel like we all, even though we all come at it from different angles, I feel like we all have a lot of fun with it and we would never want it to come across. No, I wouldn't want anyone to ever watch our show and think that we're taking it too seriously because we're really not. Rob and Alicia are more pragmatic than I am. They're kind of, they like to discuss things from all sides and they see things. And I do too. Like, and in a lot of the episodes, I'm... You know, I, I do say that there are different outlooks on this, but mostly I'm I'm kind of a black and white person, um, and and I think that works well with Alicia and Rob because, yeah, like if I if I think something, I won't even think about it. I'll just say it. If I if I have an opinion, I don't mind sharing it. Um, as as the other two will say on the show. Yeah, well, thank you all. Um, before we go, then is there any is there any sort of words you'd like to leave our listeners with, like any sort of advice? say if it's for newer performers or just anything we've talked about i mean just it's, it's a really corny thing to say but just do it like no, none of the three of us are in any way similar in the way that we do things but we've managed to find a common bond over uh loves and interests and things that make us tick and i feel like that's why people actually quite like watching our show because it's three people who are passionate about what they're talking about then we're mm. not just doing it because oh this might be popular or this might be popular we say our actual opinion and we've decided to do Eurovision because 
I love Eurovision yeah. and I'm sure we'll continue to do things in the future but wouldn't, I don't think we'd ever make a video that didn't feel true to what we like so I think that should be something that's carried on for all entertainers don't go out there and do a Lady Gaga number if you don't like Lady Gaga don't go out there and dress with a big coiffed hair if that's just not how you feel in your expression I feel like the, the best things in life come from when people are actually true to what they want to do when it really shows and that's when you get like an individual taste for someone if everyone's always the same then what's the point I, I think as well just pretty much like Rob said if you've got an idea if there's something you want to do like that, just do it because we we literally when we were going through the motions of like can we actually successfully do a youtube series for 10 weeks at the start i was like not a chance and we did it just because you know we were true to ourselves authentic and just perseverance if you just keep doing it you know um I mean, first thing I would like to say to the your viewers, uh, listeners, even this is a podcast is um, free Britney. Um, <laughs> but also, I yeah, I'd just like to say, uh, just do it. There's nothing to lose by getting involved in what you want to get involved in. Um, like like I said, I had no relationship to any like a drag relationship at all when I started doing my makeup. I had no reason to start doing it. I did it because I wanted to. Um, and here I am, you know, making no money off YouTube and, and that's it. That's great. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, like, like it's like anything in life, just, just you've got to do it. There's nothing to lose by doing it because if it, if it doesn't go well, doesn't go the way you want, you can work at it, make it better. Um, and if it does, great, you know, but there's, there's always things to gain. There's nothing that you can ever lose. I would like to thank Two and a Half Queens for coming on to this podcast. If you want to catch more of Two and a Half Queens, then check out their Instagram handle in the episode description. Thank you for listening to Loxlaroo's Locker Room. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Loxlaroo. Bye! I do have that um, Danny Minow <laughs> quote stuck in my head from watching yes! your show. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all! <laughs> there oh. we go. We couldn't get through an episode without saying that. <laughs> You are so welcome.